live from the heart of Los Angeles. This is the at-home edition of the Life Changes Show. Look at the bright lights. Look at the bright lights. With tonight's guest, award-winning romance author and outdoor adventure athlete, Stacy Gold. And tonight's performance guest, Tiffany Bailey. I am Mark Lejeur, and now our host, the MC, the master of change, Filippo Voltaggio. As some of you might be able to tell from my voice, I needed to do something I don't do enough of this weekend. And actually, I, 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 I was forced to uh, take a bit of a breather, take some time out. And uh, it's interesting that on top of that, I did something I never do either. And that is look for potentially a movie to watch. Now, I watch movies mainly documentaries, uh, researching for the show, and then uh, all the other things that we do, life coaching, et cetera, workshops. So I watch a lot of documentaries. I learn a lot. But I thought, I just want to watch a good story. And I started going through the list of things that I thought I wanted to watch. And I haven't done this in a while. So I just went to one of those online libraries I actually subscribe to and went through this topic and that category and just couldn't find something. And I, I landed on, I'm going to do a rom-com. I know I'm going to do a rom-com and, and I couldn't find anything that interested me. It just felt like, yeah, I know that story. Yeah. That's kind of the same story. Yeah. Am I tired of this story? Uh, is there another story that could be told? So maybe inspired by our guest today, uh, I, I, I was, I was, and actually I was thinking of, after a conversation with our guest today, actually, I, I was thinking of the words that Sharon Stone said uh, at an event that I interviewed her at uh, right after she spoke. And she said something like, in the world, we need more women who are strong women, not acting like strong men. And so it's interesting that a lot of the quote unquote strong women that I was seeing in some movies are like angry women or mean women or women that can do all this stuff, but they weren't to me necessarily strong. They might've been physically strong, but they weren't necessarily like strong women who only use their strength maybe for when it was needed or for the good or for, for themselves even, it was like they were trying to beat somebody down. Or, or So I know somebody who could speak on this subject a lot better than I can, because if you don't know who she is, you're going to find out in a little bit. Stacy Gold can talk about all those subjects and more. And interestingly enough, talk about strong women and women finding their strength. Our performance guest, Tiffany Bailey, has a story of strength that she shares in her cabaret show, and in a particular song that she's going to sing for us today, all on the Life Changes Show at Home Edition, right after this. Have you felt inspired to meditate, but you just can't? Do you suffer from anxiety, but fidget toys just make you more fidgety? Want to replace negative self-talk in your head that keeps bringing you down? Introducing the latest self-help solution, 
Phi Beads, transformational beaded jewelry inspired by ancient wisdom, science, math, and psychology. All Phi Beads are designed to incorporate the powerful Fibonacci sequence, nature's mathematical formula that has shaped our existence from the beginning of time. The Fibonacci sequence, also known as the golden mean or the golden ratio, is recognized by our conscious and unconscious mind and resonates as order out of chaos like we see in plants, flowers, seashells, ocean waves, the pyramids, and in our own body. Not only beautiful, they feel good to wear. Phi beads can help anchor tranquility, positivity, focus, and structure in your life by doing the Phi meditation. Phi meditation helps you harness the power of I am for intention, affirmation, and manifestation. Affirm the life you want. Get your set of Phi Beads at PhiBeads.com. That's Phi, P-H-I, Beads.com. You are listening to A Conversation That Matters on The Life Changes Show. Broadcasting live from the heart of Los Angeles every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Share the journey with us at LifeChangesShow.com. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Life Changes Show. Well, this is Filippo Voltaggio, and this is the Life Changes Show. I am host, and I'm online with our executive producers, Dorothy Lee Donahue and Mark Lejour. Mark? Filippo, I was looking at our guest's page as you were speaking and thinking of all the directions this conversation could go and all the great things to be shared but boy i thought why don't we do an interview like that where we're all on kayaks (laughs) well it's not lost on me that if i spent more time on a kayak or or in outdoorsy situations i might not need to take indoorsy breaks like this so (laughs) that's true (laughs) uh and so here we are. But uh, so we're learning and I learned so much from our guests in speaking with her today. And I'm looking forward to this conversation that matters. She is an award-winning romance author and outdoor adventure athlete and so much more. She's Stacy Gold. Welcome, Stacy, to the Life Changes Show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. You know, uh, you, on the other hand, were doing something else this weekend. You were doing one of the many things that you do, like you've so far run more than 50 rivers in three countries. You've been heli-dropped in uh, remote ski huts multiple times. Uh, And most recently, you completed a self-support kayak trip in the Grand Canyon. Actually, most recently was this weekend where you did what? I rode uh, something called the Monarch Crest Trail, uh, which is about a 37-mile mountain bike ride. You start at the top of Monarch Pass at a little over 11,000 feet, ride up to about 12,000 feet, and then down to about 7,500 feet, mostly on single-track trail. You know, this is the street where I think our parents live because somehow they went to school and back home uphill. Yes, it felt that way, even though people had warned me, there's still that part of you that thinks, well, I just got dropped off all the way at the top of a mountain pass. How much climbing could there be? (laughs) There can be quite a lot. (laughs) Did you say 14 miles? Yes, 14 miles that were mostly rolling and uphill. (laughs) And that was all above 11,000 feet in elevation, too, so... 
It's, I don't know, at, at times I couldn't tell whether it was my legs or my lungs that were giving out first and I just have to stop and pant for a little while and then keep going again. <laughs> oh my gosh. So this was your uh, sexy, romantic getaway, wasn't it? Yes, this was my uh, husband and I's 22nd wedding anniversary uh, this weekend. So this was one of the things that we did. We actually were camped out for about a week, kayaking and biking and hiking. And uh, we did this huge mountain bike ride, which has been on our list for quite some time. So we were really excited and it was spectacularly gorgeous. Uh, the wildflowers just keep going this year in Colorado. We've had a lot of rain in the high country and it was really, it was an amazing ride. And at the end, I, I, I'm always blown away by what my body is still capable of because I'm no spring chicken anymore. And I've had my fair share of injuries and surgeries and I, I keep coming back for more. <laughs> it's you, right? Yeah. I, I can't help it. <laughs> and you don't, you don't want to help it. You encourage it actually. And you support other people and women to go at it if that's them, right? Absolutely. It's one of my goals. And it's long been one of my goals, though I've gone at it from a lot of different pathways. Many years ago, I ran uh, whitewater instruction, kayak instruction classes for women uh, as a way to try and get more women out into the, into the sport. And I've just always... I mean, partly it's selfish. I just want more women to go play hard with in the outdoors. Uh, but partly it's because I believe there's a lot of other women who would love doing these things, but they feel intimidated or that they're not physically capable or someone at some point has told them, why would you ever want to do that? That's ridiculous. Women don't do that, you know, whatever. So I, I'm a big believer in it helps a lot to have examples out in the world. So I'm trying to be one. You know, when, when I started out to write the monologue, I wasn't planning on talking about me looking for a rom-com, but you inspired that. And after I shared it, I thought of another thing. Maybe a lot more men would be excited watching a rom-com with their wives or dates if, if they had stronger women. Now, now you, you heard the monologue, go. <laughs> well, I actually think a lot of people in general would be more interested in rom-coms if they had stronger women that were more true to most real life women out in the world. But I also think a lot of men would watch more rom-coms willingly, read more romance novels mm. if they weren't just constantly slighted. I mean, we're all always told that things like rom-coms and romance novels are frivolous and they're just a silly woman's thing and it's not manly. And Yet I, I also always laugh at the irony of, of periodically I'll have some guy, you know, pop into my Twitter feed and, and make some comment about, you know, just not really understanding what women want. And I'm like, well, maybe you should read some romance novels. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, yes. And uh, depending on the romance novels that they read, right? Because this is you're on the show to talk about a particular kind of romance novel, which is potentially on its way to burgeoning, like right after this show. Uh, so tell us, so what, cause, cause the man themselves may, they might not want to see themselves projected in a way that might make them feel 
emasculated by looking at some of the things that in a romance novel, a man is supposed to be like Garçon or whatever his name is, Garçon, or, <laughs> or, you know, right? Well, you know, though, but I think that's one of the fallacies. Romance novels don't emasculate men. That's something society has put out there as part of why this shouldn't be men's form of entertainment, because men should want to watch shoot 'em ups and, you know, things with hot, sexy women who don't really do or say much, but look real nice on camera. And, you know, they get to be the big, strong man. But really, I believe and I think a lot of people believe and a lot of women believe that really strength comes from vulnerability. Strength comes from being willing to admit you don't know everything or you need help with something or you have emotions and feelings that you're willing to express. That takes strength. I don't think that that's emasculating at all. And I, in fact, have never really read a romance novel that I thought was emasculating because, frankly, no, most women aren't going to be attracted to that kind of man either. But so much in romance leans so hard on the, the alpha male, the big, strong, he's a cop, he's a firefighter, he's in the army, he doesn't talk a lot, but he grunts real sexily and he has huge arms and shoulders and hands. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, but that's not really most guys either. I think a lot of people would really like to see themselves reflected more on the page, both men and women. Because to me, the, the fantasy has never been about having the knight in shining armor come and swoop in and rescue me. The fantasy for me has been about finding the person who sees me for who I am and likes and appreciates and respects and loves that. So and what's the tradition for women in these novels and where are you taking us? Well, in a lot of romance novels, traditionally, you have a damsel in distress in some way, shape or form. You know, it might not be quite so literal. Um, if you're reading historical romance, it might be very, very literal and even in contemporaries. But I instead have flipped that script and written a book that uh, some of my reviewers have said I have a manzel in distress instead, <laughs> which I love. And, and because we haven't really said exactly what I, I'm talking about here, my latest novel is called Wild at Heart, and it is a steamy backpacking romance set on the Pacific Crest Trail. And Jules, the heroine, is an experienced backpacker whose life is in upheaval and decides to hit the trail for five weeks and hike her favorite parts of the PCT as a life reset. And because her dating life is as bad as everything else, she thinks, you know, I'm just going to take a break. Whereas our hero, Evan, hasn't been camping since he was in Scouts as a kid, but that's also the last time he remembers being happy. And in an effort to try and get a little piece of that back and maybe find something he's passionate about and, and some joy, he buys all the latest gear at the local outdoor shop, flies <laughs> across the country to do a, a seven-day speed hike of a section of the PCT. And thinks because he's, he's a triathlete and in good shape, this will all be fine, no big deal. He was a scout. And of course, he makes terrible decisions right out of the gate. And Jules has to come to his rescue. 
And oftentimes she comes to his rescue and it ends up with him naked, uh, which is really <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, okay. So now this, interestingly enough, uh, I'm not going to say it's autobiographical, but how did you meet your husband? I actually met my husband through whitewater kayaking. Okay. <laughs> so this one is not autobiographical. None of my books are, but all of my stories have little pieces of my life experience in them. Um, pieces of my friends, family members, myself, my husband, but it's all blended up together into its own sort of stew. Uh, I've certainly, I lived in Seattle for 15 years. I've hiked almost all the miles uh, on the PCT that are in the book. So a lot of that comes from my own personal background. And I did a lot of it with my husband at different times, not in any one straight shot. But uh, Jules is very much a, her own character out of my head. And, and so is Evan. And Evan turns out to be a really kind, thoughtful guy who's not afraid to shelve his ego when he realizes he's in over his head and there's a woman there who can help him out and make his life better. So, so much not a damsel in distress. You had to be, well, you were asked twice to marry your husband. And you said, yes. did you say no the first time? Did you actually say no? I, I said no, but the caveat was, uh, not until you can afford a ring because he was still finishing college at the time. And I figured that would buy me a few years at least. <laughs> oh, wow. Cause not, cause you weren't into the ring, right. Or any of the, any of, any of it, any of it. I had no interest in being married. I come from a pretty dysfunctional family and I had looked around and said, marriage does not seem like fun. I can't imagine why I would ever want to volunteer for that. Really not interested. <laughs> But I did want a, a life partner and someone I could go play in the outdoors with and someone I could build a life with. I just didn't really want to get married. And, and now here I am celebrating my 22nd wedding anniversary. So there you go. Oh, amazing. And you've known each other 24 years. And, uh, and so here, here it seems like it's not that you're writing about something that you want because you already have or a desire. It, it, it's actually seems like you're wanting other women, especially to, or, or even men to say, oh, this is possible, or this is me, or somebody else is doing this too. That's it. Exactly. You've really hit the nail on the head. I think there's a whole lot of underrepresented people in the romance genre and in media in general. You know, as we were talking earlier, I mean, we see the same stuff with rom-coms, movies, and in magazines. And I wanted to represent a different set of options for people and, you know, show women and men that there, you know, there's other ways you could choose to live your life that are really awesome. And there's other people doing it and you can too. And I don't, I don't want to put a, a, a lot of what's out there down. And I know, I know you don't either. Uh, however, if we do look at some of the ways that these people that are supposedly in relationships, not just in real life, but in romantic movies, like they talk to each other and the phrases they use, the old ball and chain, yada, yada, right? Yeah. And for me, I personally don't want to read or watch or hear any of that because 
it shows a version of relationships that I don't really think is very healthy. Mm. Why are we supposed to stay in relationships with people we don't even like, let alone love and support and respect? Mm. That just makes no sense to me. And so my novels tend to be a little different in terms of fantasy than a lot of them. And you're right. I mean, I don't want to knock anything else. Everybody likes what they like. I just couldn't find what I liked. So I took the old advice of, you know, write the book you want to read and, you know, ran with it because I think the fantasy is that we want to find a partner who sees us for exactly who we are, the good, the bad, the meh, because we're all a little of everything and thinks we're awesome not anyway or despite, but because we are all of that and more. And I think that's wonderful. And to show healthy relationships on the page and people who communicate with each other and, it's, and who care about really making sure that their partner is happy in all possible ways. I feel that's incredibly important. Mm. You know, you reminded me of something today and, and it kind of made me sad, actually, that that we don't have, in your words, uh, I don't think, a lot of free-range children, so to speak, out in the world. Can you tell us about how you grew up? Yeah, absolutely. It's, in fact, free-range children, I don't even have children of my own. I do have nieces, nephews, cousins that I adore and spend a lot of time with. But living in Colorado in a smaller town, I still get to see free-range children, uh. which I think think it's so awesome. And in fact, where we were camped all week, I went surfing in my kayak in the, in the downtown river play park. And at one point I was in a lineup with 15 random teenagers who were all oh. down there surfing on their stand up paddle boards at the wave for hours, uh, wow. no parents in sight. And that's how I grew up. I'm part of that last cohort of children before the internet and cell phones and all of that, who in the summer, you know, your parents just said, go play outside, come back when the streetlights come on. And so, you know, I was wading in creeks and climbing trees and building forts and doing it with all my friends who were guys and girls. I didn't think anything of it, but I discovered at a young age that I feel my best when I am outdoors and even better if I can be physical outdoors somehow. I find it very centering for me. On every level, I just feel like the best version of myself. I mean, right now, after spending basically nine days camping, kayaking, mountain biking, I just, this is, this is my happy place right here. <laughs> mm, I'm hearing it. I'm feeling it. I was feeling it earlier while I was talking to you. And like I said, I, I, I learned so much and you made me think of things uh, like I even mentioned in the monologue, a strong woman as opposed to like an angry woman. I, I know an angry woman can be strong. An angry man can be strong, but can we be strong and, and show a different way of being strong, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's talked about a lot in the romance world that so often when uh, people want to portray a woman as strong, they either make her very manly, you know, give her guns and, and have her blow things up, which is totally cool. And I enjoy that. <laughs> or um, they have her at some point have rape in her backstory. 
And that mm. constitutes a strong woman because she has overcome this. Mm. But I really think a strong person in general is just someone who knows who they are and is willing to be that person publicly, privately. I often joke with my husband that I love weird people. We have a lot of friends who you could call characters. <laughs> and, and that's because I like people who know they're weird and are good with it and, and just live in it. I think that's wonderfully attractive because we are all weird. Some of us just hide it more than others. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, here you are, you, you, you're not seeing yourself represented out there in the world of romance novels. And so you write these books and you go out there. And of course, the romance novel industry says, finally, here you are. <laughs> Wouldn't that be lovely? But a lot of romance <laughs> readers, a lot of romance readers have been saying that, and they're they're so thrilled to see a different kind of woman represented, even if they're not outdoorsy people themselves. They love how confident and competent Jules is in this book, and the fact that she makes no bones about liking sex which shouldn't be a weird thing in this day and age. And yet mm. I have had so many readers comment specifically on the fact that they found that so refreshing. Wow. And, you know, that's a piece that is in a lot of romance novels to me, but I think it's the whole package that makes people really stand up and notice this about this book and these characters. So there's hope for these characters. Obviously, here you are. Yes. Yes, there's hope and there's hope for all of us, you know, to pursue whatever is our weird thing that we love. I mean, when I first got involved in all the outdoor sports, I started by becoming a whitewater raft guide somewhat inadvertently on the Ocoee River in Tennessee. I had never even been rafting before. I just wanted an outdoorsy physical job. And that sounded like fun. I, I saw an ad and I applied. And Back then, I mean, I was quite a bit tinier than I am now. I was 18 years old. And, and literally the first place I applied told me that they thought I was afraid to break my nails or get my hair wet and I should just go back to the shopping mall. Wow. Which, that made wow. me very determined to become wow. a whitewater raft guide at that point. <laughs> wow. But I mean, I got a lot of that. I got a lot of what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? This isn't appropriate for a young woman. Why are you out here? I mean, I, I've lived out of the back of my pickup truck. I've camped entire summers. I just did it because it worked for me. And I really didn't care what anybody had to say about it because I knew it was making me happy. And I just you know, it's still so frustrating to me that women are perceived as not strong enough for these sorts of things, physically, emotionally, mentally. Um, we're still, you know, told that, that we shouldn't do this kind of thing. I think only now are we starting to see a little bit of a shift in the fact that uh, we're seeing people talk about muscles on a woman being attractive. And to me, I feel best when I'm physically strong. I don't really care how it looks, but it feels good for me. So therefore I choose to be physically strong. 
Well, Stacy, good on you. As a matter of fact, you help women who haven't ventured out or who didn't maybe grow up outside uh, to, to be able to do it, do it, do it safely, know where to do it, right? You, you, you break it down. You, you support women more than just in the romance novels. I do. I do. And I've actually done a number of interviews just talking about how, as a woman, you can get started going solo in the outdoors. I include resources in the back of my book and on my blog for women looking to get out there. And uh, I love talking to women and women's programs and being a part of anything I can to help encourage it because for at least so many of my girlfriends who are outdoorsy, it's where we all feel our best. It's what we love doing. And so why shouldn't we? No, it sounds like there's every reason to do it. And you go Stacy Gold. So (laughs) stacygold.com is our website. That's where they can also find your blog, right? Absolutely. And if they go to, um, I have a blog called that's uh, forward slash going hyphen solo stacygold.com forward slash uh, going hyphen solo that that will get you uh, to my post specifically with a lot of resources. There's resources for anybody interested in getting outdoors solo, but also resources specifically for women. So she's on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at author Stacy Gold, just like it sounds, S-T-A-C-Y-G-O-L-D, author Stacy Gold. Uh, Stacy, when we come back, I know we didn't talk about this, uh, and I'm gonna say might be fun if you read something that was more family friendly, like maybe a paragraph from your book, Wild at Heart. When we come back, what do you say? I can definitely do that. And I will just bleep myself on any of the curse words to keep it. (laughs) Is there a paragraph that doesn't have any of those? Oh, there's got to be a paragraph in here that doesn't have any, but I'm not afraid to drop an F-bomb in real life or on paper. So I will find a good one for you. (laughs) All right. Well, you have two minutes and we'll be back with Stacey Gold enjoying this conversation so much. And uh, we're going to have a little later on our performance guest, Tiffany Bailey, and also Dorothy Lee Donahue with our Ask Dorothy segment, all on the Life Changes show at home edition right after this. The Little Dog That Could is the fantastically true story of a man and a little dog that came into his life as his mentor to help him understand the world beyond his human senses and to experience life, love, and healing beyond his human understanding. Best-selling author, Filippo Voltaggio, who currently hosts the highly regarded Life Changes show, is an internationally known singer, speaker, and life coach. Filippo offers up his own story, how one little surprise package in fur and four legs transformed his life unexpectedly forever and furthered his path of self-discovery. In The Little Dog That Could, Filippo brings to life the meaning of the adage, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Through the reading of this book, you will experience the journey of real miracles that transcend time, space, and logic while gaining practical tools that will help you navigate your way. The Little Dog That Could is available through Amazon and Barnes and Noble. For more information, visit thelittledogthatcould.com. That's thelittledogthatcould.com. You are listening to a conversation that matters on The Life Changes Show. Broadcasting live from the heart of Los Angeles, 
every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Share the journey with us at lifechangesshow.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Life Changes Show. Okay, we are back. We've been enjoying a conversation with award-winning romance author and outdoor adventure athlete, Stacy Gold. And uh, Stacy, you have a few books out. There's a, <coughs> there's, <coughs> excuse me, this is going to be a trilogy, actually, the one that we're talking about right now, Wild at Heart, right? Yes, it is. Okay. And so uh, did you find something? I did. I found something. I can, I can give you a, a quick taste. Okay. Well, here's Stacey Gold and a paragraph or so from her book, Wild at Heart, Wild Love, book one. Well, and to give just a little bit of setup, this is where my main characters first meet. It's the middle of a rainstorm. She's been happily asleep in her tent. He is outside with a broken tent, not happily asleep at all. And of course, naked. Well, not yet, but he will oh, okay, be shortly. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the description says usually naked, but okay. Now, all right, I'll be quiet. So this is from Jules' perspective. Something told me I would regret my next words, but I didn't want his death on my conscience. You can't stay out there all night like that. My tent isn't big, but I can make room for you if you want. God, yes, thank you. He flung off the rain fly and trotted over. Rainwater splashed under his running shoe clad feet and clung to his bare shins. Face obscured by a ratty beard and his hood pulled low over his nose, rando dude dove for the entrance to my tent. Hey, hey, slow down, I held up a palm. Take off that jacket and your muddy shoes and leave them in the vestibule. Otherwise it's going to be as wet and nasty in here as it is out there. Okay, okay. He stomped and shivered, slipped off his rain shell, and sat in the entrance, unlacing his shoes with shaking, wrinkled fingers. Water pooled on the tent floor around his butt. Shoot, you're soaked. Take off everything before you get all the way in here. He glanced over his shoulder, and a pair of deep blue eyes gazed into mine. You're not trying to take advantage of me, are you? So there we go. <laughs> Well on his way to being naked. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. Uh, Stacy. Uh, we, in our conversations, we, in our conversation, uh, we talked about so many different things and, and I, I was so taken. I actually took notes. I don't know that I know anybody. Um, Maybe a couple people, but I've never, you know, I wasn't taking notes at the time, so I can't swear to it. But anybody that could rattle off something like you rattled off and you said, I don't remember how we got here, what the question was or what we were talking about exactly. But you said, and now you're in an incredibly healthy, happy, wonderful relationship and sex too. And I thought, I actually said, when are you writing the book on relationships? <laughs> I do remember this. 
And so what's going to happen now is at some point, because I, I scoffed and said, oh, yeah, I don't know. That's great ideas. Maybe someday I'll write nonfiction again. But it seems like whenever people say this, it takes somewhere between eight and 10 years, and then it just happens all on its own. So we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> okay. Well, good on you. And uh, eight to 10 years from now, you make sure, if not sooner, you let us know uh, and look forward to, to talking about it again. Uh, so, so glad that you're doing what you're doing. You, you, you seem to be happy. Uh, you, you seem to be doing a few things. I don't know, kayaking, skiing, mountain biking, hiking, uh, and you're doing them with your husband. You're also doing them alone, uh, as well. And, and, and that's the other thing too, is that you didn't stop. Not only did you not stop doing the things you like doing, because you doing them, you found somebody who likes doing them as well, but you also continued to do them whether or not, I guess he can join you or not, or he's interested in that particular activity or not. Right. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I was doing all these sports before I met him and I had dated plenty of guys over the years. And in fact, for a number of years, I, I lived in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and I would meet a guy in the winter and we would both be skiing and that would work out well. And then summer would come along and it turns out they're a climber and I'm a kayaker. <laughs> okay. And they always wanted me to give up my sport to spend time with them, mm. but never the other way around. And I was just very unwilling and pretty much decided that I just wasn't going to date a guy who did, didn't do my sports. And when I met my husband, he was a very good whitewater kayaker, better than I was. He was not a skier. And so the second time he asked me to marry him, when I said, yes, I had two conditions of marriage. Oh. He was living in Georgia at the time, going to UGA, finishing up school. And I had been out West for more than a decade. And I said to him, I will marry you but you're going to have to move out West and you're going to have to learn to ski or this isn't going to work for us. <laughs> and he came back with fine, as long as I can go home twice a year to see my family. And I said, that seems fair. And that's how we've worked it. And now he's a <laughs> tremendous skier. So. so where I'd like to at least end for now and a really a good point of what I hear from you and what, I, I'm understanding your character, your female characters are about for sure, is having the relationship with self be important? Yeah, I think that that is so critical to having a healthy relationship with someone else. Um, I mean, sure, we all know people who met in high school and have actually had wonderful relationships and found a way to grow together. But that's not the way it is for most of us. Most of us are, are fairly fully formed adults when we meet our partners. And I think it's so critical to be in touch with who you are and have a good relationship with yourself and know what you really want and need in life and in a relationship, because then you have a shot at getting it. Well, well Wild at Heart is the book. Wild Love, book one in a series of three, two more to come. Get it at stacygold.com or wherever books are sold. You can find her on social media at 
Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at author Stacy Gold. I am so glad we found you on the Life Changes Show. Thank you so much, Stacy. Oh, thank you for having me. This has been a, a wonderful discussion, and our conversation earlier was fabulous. I, I really feel honored to to be here and be a part of your show. Well, the pleasure was ours, and like I was telling you earlier, it was unanimous when we got together and looked over what you're doing and happy for you and look forward to more from you. All the best to you, Stacey Gold. Thank you so much. Same to you. Uh, and with that, we have our Ask Dorothy segment. Dear Dorothy, this is Carolyn from New Jersey. I am devastated by the way my lover has been treating me. We have been together off and on for several, several years now. And even though it hasn't been a real committed relationship, I have mostly enjoyed our time together. However, he's been getting drunk. And when he is drunk, he says things that are extremely hurtful. In our conversation this morning, he called me a very bad name and I can't stop crying. I love him with all my heart and don't want these kinds of interactions anymore. Why is he doing this and how can I get him to change his behavior with me? Dear Carolyn, the only person we can ever change is ourselves. Instead of asking why he is behaving this way, this could be the right time for you to ask why you have allowed his bad behavior with you to continue. The fact that you say you love him with all of your heart indicates that you're not loving you. The fact that you have tolerated his bad behavior also indicates that you are not loving you. So my question for you is why are you allowing him to treat you with so much disrespect? Do you feel you're undeserving of a partner who treats you with love and compassion? These are the most important questions that need to be addressed and answered by you right now. It would be a good idea for you to write down what love and being loved really looks like and then determine just how much of that you have with him. In my relationship counseling, I always suggest that my clients write down the attributes they desire in a romantic partner. And I think this would be a great start for you. Once you have made your list of the ideal qualities you would love to have in your ideal partner, then please do an on honest inventory and see how many of these qualities your present partner has. You might be unpleasantly surprised at how few he does have. And if this is true, this is a major clue that indicates that this is not your ideal relationship. And please remember that even if you choose to love him, no matter how he treats you, you, dear Carolyn, are not loving you, and this relationship will not be in your highest and best good. Thank you, Dorothy. And if you have a question for Dorothy, please write her at askdorothy at lifechangesshow.com. And we'll be right back with our performance guest, Tiffany Bailey, right after this on the Life Changes Show at Home Edition. There are self-help seminars costing thousands of dollars guaranteeing miraculous transformations. There are compelling speakers and life-changing weekend experiences where you can walk on fire. They all deliver revelations that guarantee you'll come back for the more expensive revelations filled with even greater wonder next month on Fiji. We get addicted to positive, heartfelt, expensive theater. What we really need is a jumpstart, an awakening, someone who can give us a reminder that everything we need lies within. 
Through inspiration and practical knowledge, Dorothy Donahue helps people get grounded and motivated, inspired and energized. It's not just words and affirmations and the power of intention. It's a mindset brought about by a tangible, transcendental experience, an audiovisual, physical, spiritual experience that helps us realize we transform ourselves. We get tools to become the conscious co-creators of lives of unlimited potential. Find out more. Go to DorothyDonahue.com. The Life Changes Show is a talk, music, and variety show presented by Life Changes Network, which is a company whose team has dedicated their lives not only to positive change, but to helping others observe and embrace, honor, and celebrate their own changes, thus enabling a more positive, inspired life and helping to create a more positive and inspired world. From everyday people, celebrities, business leaders, and children, we are here to inspire our audience to do life better. With heart, integrity, and experience, we bring our message and positive intent into your lives through the Life Changes Show. As your life changes, we're here for you. Share the journey with us at lifechangesshow.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Life Changes Show. We are back. I am Filippo, and this is the Life Changes Show at Home Edition. And our performance guest is a singer, songwriter, and cabaret artist. Welcome, Tiffany Bailey, to the Life Changes Show. Thank you so much. So nice to be here. It's great to have you here. And it's interesting that you're here at this particular time. Music has always been a part of your life, as I'm sure you're going to share with us in just a moment. But it took an even greater significance a little less than a year ago. Tell us about both of those. Yes, so I was I was songwriting, you know, for a long time as a kid and coming up with things, but I never really went forth with it because um, I just couldn't put the content together. And um, so I had been in a songwriting class with Harriet Shock, who wrote um, Ain't No Way to Treat a Lady. And uh, I had stopped doing that for a while. And then last year in March, my mother passed away. And honestly, the most awful thing that's ever happened to me ever. Um, she and I were so close and uh, she was really, really a wonderful woman. Um, but, you know, I just didn't know what to do with my feelings. They were so big and songwriting just seemed like such a good way to go and Harriet has um, you know these great songwriting classes and she's such a wonderful person that I just let all those feelings bleed out into words mm. and I think it might have been you know what really kept me together you know just being able to outlet in that way because you know, people people don't know, I think, until they experience it. And sometimes it's just hard to know what to say and it's hard to talk about it. So songwriting is just a wonderful way to go about it. I would say even if they, they have an idea, everybody is different and every relationship is different. And it sounds like yes. also you really worked on your relationship with your mom to get to the point where you had that wonderful relationship. Totally. I mean, we definitely had the, you know, teenage daughter, teenage situation where, uh, you know, she probably wished I would have moved out earlier and I definitely <laughs> wanted to move out earlier. Um, 
But, you know, it's really true, I guess, at least if you kind of embrace it, that um, if your parent is really trying to do the best for you and you can see that, it's such a wonderful relationship to have. Uh, You know, I would say at least within the last 15 years, we were so, so, so close. And I understood her. You know, she was from Poland. She didn't speak the language right away. There were you know, a lot of obstacles, uh, but she was a medical technologist and she kind of liked things very methodical. And I was kind of a, well, I still am a, wee, you know, everything's fun. Yay. Uh, So we just kind of had to find our balance. And I think we really did. And she loved me, you know, to the nth degree. and, And I felt she knew that I felt that way too. On our way to our first song, you got a call. Okay, the call. Well, tell us about it first. Oh, I will. Sorry. Um, The call, people know what that's like, you know, to get a call that somebody has passed away. It's just, it can leave you feeling paralyzed. And, um, you know, on the other side of it, it's like once you receive that call, you know, and that can be one of the worst things that happens to you, it really allows you to grow. So this is about um, getting that call that my mom passed away and just the feelings of how awful it was and getting through that, finding the growth inside of that. So Tiffany, you're going to sing this live and uh, we're going to take into consideration it hasn't even been a year yet. And yes. uh, uh, so, wow, more power to you. You have somebody (laughs) who's recorded a track for you, right? Yes. Um, So I wrote the lyrics and the music, but I am not a completely skilled piano player. I'm getting there. But my talented friend, Marina Pakowski, she is playing piano and she helped to embellish a little bit of it. So that's going to be her playing and I'm going to be singing. (laughs) Well, we look forward to hearing it. Here's Tiffany Bailey and her song. The call on the Life Changer Show. say 
told me once your dream was to fly so I sat in my garden all day I spent time watching the birds in the sky is that you when I hear the chimes darkness is brighter these days I know you are close by my side you have changed my life in so many ways the beach brought you joy so I wait for the tide the flowers are Tiffany Bailey. <laughs> well, you can find Tiffany Bailey at Tiffany Bailey Music. Bailey is B-A-I-L-E-Y, Tiffany Bailey Music. Uh, and Tiffany's with a Y. Uh, you could also find her on YouTube and Instagram. And we have all her links up on our web page for Tiffany Bailey. Tiffany, thank you for doing that song. Uh how does that feel? <laughs> um, th no, thank you for letting me share it. It's hard, you know. I think, like, there always will be a point where it's difficult. But, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And um, she deserved to have something to pay tribute to her. And um, it makes me happy in some ways. It makes me happy to, to have that... Um, mental picture and to have the words that, you know, because you really do forget things when trauma happens. And so I'm so glad that I got a chance to, to capture some of that. So Tiffany, there's light at the end of the song, actually, and <laughs> the, the progression that you go through. Uh, it, it, interestingly, it, it reminds me two things. Number one, uh, you don't strike me as, and from what I've gotten to know about you, if you're the girl that is singing pop songs at the top of your lungs uh, while you're driving, um, and uh, and and the kind of songs that you're singing. This is this is a departure, uh, and also it makes me think of the work you're planning on doing with the mm. education you're getting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm at Pepperdine, and I'm getting my master's in marriage and family therapy. I've always been into psychology. I love people. Um, I love hearing their stories. Uh, I just want to be a part of that. I want to help in any way that I can. 
I want to make people feel heard. I just, you know, there's so much um, hardship right now, especially and, you know, the last couple years. And yeah, I'm super interested in helping people change their narrative, just helping people feel good about themselves. Well, good on you and more power to you. And interesting enough, before we hear this next song, uh, your dad's a musician and you, you yes. had a journey with your dad too in music yes. and getting to hear. Yes. So I got to, I got so lucky to grow up in a music family. Um, you know, my mother was the scientist, so she was like, I do not sing. But my father, he can sing, he can play trumpet, flugelhorn, um, and he tries to play lots of other instruments, but he's an amazing jazz player. And we had kind of a difficult relationship growing, you know, as I was growing up. And then we did the CD together, uh, Jazz with Pop, and we collaborated nice. and it was super great. And um, so he's featured on that and we did a lot of our favorite songs. So that was very cool. Um, yeah. Jazz uh, with so pop. I just jazz got with that. pop. You like that? <laughs> <laughs> Very clever. So where is this song uh, coming from that we're going to hear now? This song is called "I See You um, with My Eyes," and um, basically, you know, it's interesting. Also, after my mother passed away, it's like we—it's so easy to get stuck in childhoodness, no matter what age you are, and. I think that I just started to embrace these things that made me weird and strange. And, you know, Stacy had talked a little bit about this too. And, uh -huh. um, you know, I just, I felt like it was time to just embrace that and not get so caught up in it. So that's what this song is about. Okay. It's called I See You. Yes. At and it was produced by Edward Auschlander. And now, because your mom w was a medical technician, we need to clarify yes. it's not as in I and the letter C. As in <laughs> intensive exactly. Care unit. No okay. intensive care unit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why maybe you said, I see you with my eyes. Okay. So yeah. here's a pre recorded version of Tiffany Bailey's song, I See You on the Life Changes you. Show. <laughs> People used to say I was weird all the time. You know what I really think they were trying to say? I see you. When you're looking in the mirror, and your thoughts are telling you that you can't do all the things that make you happy. Well, none of that is true. I see. But they don't really have a clue ADD, yep, well that's part of your identity Stay focused, dreams come true from you. So your hair is funky colors. 
she can't be serious Well, envy's a color too Tiffany Bailey. Well, I am so glad <laughs> our mutual friend Tess Cacciatore saw you and brought her to uh, and brought you to us. Uh, so thank you to Tess Cacciatore and thank you to you, Tiffany Bailey. I see you too. Oh, thank you. I see you too. You do such <laughs> a wonderful, wonderful program. It's awesome. Uh, Thank you. And if you're enjoying Tiffany as much as we are, Tiffany Bailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y music.com. And again, you can find her on YouTube and Instagram. And we've got her uh, links at the Life Changes Show website for Tiffany Bailey. And with that, a big thank you to you, Tiffany. Thank you. Would it be all right if I say that I'm going to be performing at Vitello's on September 17th? You sure are. And cool. yes, it would. Myself and Francesca Amari will be at Vitello's doing a really fun cabaret show. Wonderful. And they could learn more about that at your links, right? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So all the best to you and a big thank you to Stacy Gold. Wow. That is our show. And on behalf of our executive producer, Dorothy Lee Donahue, and our executive producer and co-host, Mark Lejeur, I am your host, Filippo Voltaggio, reminding you that as your life changes, like ours surely did tonight, we're here for you. Ciao, everyone. You have been listening to The Life Changes Show on the BBS Radio Network. Listen live every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific time and visit us online at lifechangesnetwork.com, on Facebook at The Life Changes Show, and on Twitter at Life Changes Show. Join us again next week as we consciously explore and embrace the only constant, Life Changes. The Life Changes Network is an entertainment network. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guests and participants and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Life Changes. <laughs>